Let me ask you a question. If you know a Christian who will not work and provide for his or her own needs, what should you do in that case? Should you extend financial support or should you consider what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, if you will not work, neither shall you eat? Two warehouse workers are talking. The woman says, I can make the boss give me the day off. The co-worker said, well, how would you do that? The lady said, just watch. And she climbed to the ceiling and started hanging from the ceiling. And suddenly the boss walks in and looks up and says, what are you doing? She says, I am a light bulb. Look how bright I am. The boss shakes his head and says, you've been working too hard lately. Uh, come down, go home and have the day off. So as she starts to leave, the co-worker follows. And the boss says, well, where are you going? And he says, I can't work without any light. <laughs> like the weary workers, some of the Thessalonians are not desirous to work. Turn to Second Thessalonians chapter 3. And as you're turning in Paul's first epistle to the saints, he refers to those who are not working and are unruly. Listen to First Thessalonians 4.11. That you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. And then later in that same epistle, he says, Dort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. So we see we have those who were not desiring to work and also individuals that were unruly. In 2 Thessalonians 3, we're going to see Paul tie those two groups together. But before I read to you 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 18, I have two questions for your consideration. Number one, how should you exhort those not working and are unruly? And number two, what two attributes of Jesus should permeate our lives? Second Thessalonians chapter three, I'll begin reading in verse six. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now, those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. 
And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that a person and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let's uh, talk to the Lord together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, thank you. I thank you that you punched a time clock. The first six days of creation you worked, you set a precedent, an example. You put Adam in the garden even to tend and to keep it. And work is good. It was given even before the fall. I pray that today we would see the need to work hard as unto you and not have unruly or out-of-step lives. I pray that now you would teach us much and may we act upon it. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. But we command you, brethren. The word but here shows a transition and a contrast. In the first five verses of Second Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul laid the groundwork for the coming correction. But yet, with a fatherly tone, he appeals to them as brethren, those from the same womb. But now he offers a command. And this has been common with Paul to give a command. Turn back to first. Thessalonians 4, and observe in verse 11, that you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. And then we see here in 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, the command about those that are disorderly, and then come beyond that, 2 Thessalonians 3, 10, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this. See the word commanded? Okay. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busy bodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. Notice here the command is not under Paul's own personal authority, but it's in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The name represents the person. When Michael the archangel contends with the devil about the body of Moses, notice that Michael does not bring a blasphemous accusation against the devil, but says the Lord See, the power of the Lord, because it's in the name of the Lord, representing the person of the Lord, rebuke you. But the command here is that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly. The verb here, withdraw, is present tense, so you continually withdraw. The middle voice here means that you yourself do the withdrawing from that individual. And here, Paul is clearly addressing 
the saints who are disobedient because he says every brother. So you withdraw from every brother. Apparently the group might not have been that large uh, just because of Paul's choice of words, but who walks the present tense again shows a way of life that is continual. So there were some individuals in the Thessalonian church who were both unruly and who were not working as they should. And Paul talks about those who walk disorderly. Uh, the root idea we find back in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14, and we'll see it in other times as well, the same chapter in verse 11, and it means those out of step. It's as if they're marching in an army, but they're not aligned with the other soldiers. So those individuals were walking disorderly, not according to the tradition which he received from us. There were certain things that Paul, Silas, and Timothy had taught the brethren. They were handed down to them. That's the idea of the word tradition. These individuals were not walking in it. The word for here presents an explanation uh, for what is given in verse 6. So in verse 7 here, for, see, here becomes explanation. You yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we... We're not disorderly among you. Yourselves is emphatic. So Paul had clearly taught the saints these things and they know there is something that they have been taught and they understand even intuitively. Now, this is what they grasp, how you ought to what follow us. To follow here means to mimic, but it's stated positively that you need to mimic us apparently the three had set such a great example paul silas and timothy that they could point to themselves and say follow us as we have followed christ and what does paul add here in verse seven we were not disorderly among you nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge now that doesn't mean that paul silas and timothy never took a meal from anyone else. But the bottom line is they worked for their own living and were not mooches or freeloaders, but worked with labor and toil night and day. The word but shows a contrast. It's an adversative. See, but we worked with labor and toil night and day. And uh, the verb here worked when it's used in the present tense several other times in the New Testament speaks of a vocation. It's used this way in Acts 18 and verse 3 of Aquila because he, like Paul, was a tent maker. So worked with labor and toil. The word labor here implies tiresome exertion. Uh, because remember back in first Thessalonians one, three, the work of faith and labor of love that these saints had laboring to the point of exhaustion and the word toil, uh, toil occurs three times in the new Testament and each time after the word labor, it's a common term for work. Uh, for instance, it occurs twice from the Greek translation of the old Testament in Ecclesiastes one, three. Solomon writes, what profit has a man from all his labor, that's a term, in which he toils under the sun? Observe here, Paul, Silas, and Timothy by nature— 
because of being born again and having a work ethic that pleased God would labor night and day. Paul continues in verse 8 that we might not be a burden to any of you. That's why he worked day and night. The idea wasn't that he worked around the clock, but he worked enough so that he could provide for his own needs to minister to the saints. He didn't want to be a burden. He didn't want to be an imposition to those saints. In verse 9, he continues, not because we do not have authority. The Apostle Paul says all ministers have the right to live by the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul makes numerous arguments why the New Testament pastor and missionary has the right to compensation, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. He chose rather to work a secular employment in order to demonstrate to those saints what their work ethic should be like, but then also to provide for his own needs so no one could accuse him of being in the ministry just for the money. So he made himself and the other associates as examples how you should follow us. That's the greatest thing, isn't it? That's the, the picture that we have drawn from John chapter 10 with the good shepherd, what he leads the sheep and they follow him. That's exactly what happened with these saints initially because they saw Paul and Silas and they started to imitate those that knew the Lord. And that's how it's supposed to be in the Christian life. We are supposed to be out in front of those that we are discipling. That means we walk with the Lord and set the example that they could follow us as we follow Christ. Verse 10, for even when we were with you, this is building upon what he said earlier. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Listen to Proverbs 16 and verse 26. The person who labors, labors for himself, for his hungry mouth drives him on. Hunger, by the way, is a good motivation for work. And Paul isn't here making an observation or just, if you will, thinking out loud. He's not philosophizing. He's giving a command. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Such an important concept. You've often heard it said that idleness is the devil's workshop. God knew what was best. He modeled himself for us a work ethic, created the world in six days and then rested on the seven. He put Adam in the garden to keep and to till it. He gave principles throughout the scripture on the importance of work to provide for our families, to provide for those in ministry. We have it replete throughout the scripture. Verse 11, for we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner. See, we hear the present tense verb from akuo means they keep getting these reports about individuals who are walking. The present tense verb walking shows that this is something they are continually doing. And how are they walking in a disorderly manner out of step? The Christian commander-in-chief has given us direction 
how to walk with God behind the leadership that he has entrusted to us. These individuals were not in step with the leadership. Here, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and even with those elders that were appointed at the church, this is a dangerous thing because they were walking in a disorderly manner. And it was so bad, as it says here at verse 11, not working at all. You got to go back to the uh, first century and the Greek mindset. They despised manual labor. They thought that that was for the slave community. And apparently some of that thinking permeated the Thessalonians, but perhaps the greatest factor motivating them not to work, or I should say the greatest excuse that they could offer. Well, if Jesus is coming back at any time, let's use that time for the Lord. And Paul is correcting them for not working at all in employment, but they are busy bodies. The word but shows another contrast. Busy bodies literally means to work around. They are not busy working, but are busy working around. Uh, in other words, they won't do their secular employment, but are busy bodies in the affairs of others. That's not what they were called to do or to be. They were working, but just only finding that information about the lives of others. Interestingly, as you go back to First Thessalonians, you see the importance of working, minding your own business. And uh, what happens is those individuals that did not receive strong correction here. And in verse 12, observe Paul's fatherly appeal. He seeks to restore those who are out of line with their brothers and sister. Notice he says in verse 12, now those who are such, the loafers, we command and exhort. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, back before it was in the name of the Lord, now it's through our Lord Jesus Christ, that they work in quietness. And the idea here of quietness uh, points to a quiet or a still life, a silent life. In other words, you go to work, you don't hang out at the coffee machine all day trying to find the gossip in the office, but rather you work a full day for the glory of God because ultimately you are working for him. Paul's desirous that they eat their own bread. In other words, they go to work and provide for their own needs instead of becoming leeches, trying to get from others. And may I say, even in our world currently, so many are looking for an excuse not to work. They work hard at finding out how not to work. And yet work is something that God had blessed and desires us to do. We need to provide for our own needs. We need to be individuals who also are giving to the work of ministry and then helping out the poor. Um, it's something we are called to do. And if we don't earn a living, how can we do those things Verse 13, but as for you, brethren, Paul is giving them a nudge here to the ones that are doing what is right. He's saying, hey, guys, do not grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary. 
Don't become faint hearted. It was not easy to work a 12 hour day, six days a week. It would be easy to watch the loafers and go, hey, look, they're getting by. People are giving them handouts. Let's just get a sign. Let's go to the corner and just say out of work and see who will give to me. (laughs) A lot easier to go that route. Paul says, no, you want to work and live honestly. You want to provide for your own needs. Don't grow weary in what? Doing good. To do good here can have the idea of just working diligently and doing what is right, or it can mean to live honestly, because the adjective kalas speaks about doing what is morally right. Um, either one kind of fits the context because they were to be doing good, but they were also to be living Honestly, in the sense of providing for their own needs. In verse 14, and if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle. See, these are the words of God. And to obey is an important concept because you're hearing under the instruction given. The same word used of children, obey. Hear under your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's the term that is used here. If anyone does not obey, note that person and do not keep company with him. To note means to mark out that individual. And then don't keep company. Don't gather together with that individual. Don't encourage the disobedient child of God to maintain that lifestyle. Don't support that individual in his or her disobedience. Why? That he may be ashamed. Isolation can be a good thing because since you're not giving support to the disobedient child of God who is unruly and not working, that individual see, oh, this isn't good. This isn't right. I have no support. Be ashamed and mend his or her ways. Paul goes on to say, though, be cautious. Verse 15, yet do not count him as an enemy. That's an imperative here. Don't think that this person is your enemy. It's a brother or sister in Christ. And sadly, they're continually living off of other people and not working at all. But that's not an enemy. That's your brother, your sister in Christ. The goal is restoration to see that person turn back to the things of the Lord. So Paul adds, but admonish him. See, warn him as a brother. That's what we need to do. And the word admonish here is a present imperative. Every time you see that individual, you keep on admonishing, warning that person that he or she is not living the life that God had called him or her to. It's very important. So point number one, promote work to the saints while laboring diligently yourself. Let me say that again. Promote work to the saints while laboring diligently yourself. That's verses 6 through 15. We are individuals that need to encourage, exhort, Each person to work in a domain that God has given to them. This is what we are called to do. But we also must be setting the example by having a good work ethic ourselves. Important. So promote work to the saints while laboring diligently yourself. And in our second point, 
Permit Jesus's peace and grace to rule your life. 16 through 18. Permit Jesus's peace and grace to rule your life. Verse 16. We have an unusual expression. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. And I just want to point out before I address those words that this is Paul's fourth prayer in the epistle. First one, chapter 1, 11 to 12. Then in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. And then in 3, 5, this is number 4. But you normally don't have the Lord of peace. Traditionally, it's the God of peace that is given in 2 Corinthians 13, 11 in Philippians 4 9 in 1st Thessalonians 5 23 in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20 speaking about the peace of God here it's the peace of the Lord the Lord Jesus what do we see once again the equality of the son to the father what can be attributed to one can also be attributed to the other. And then Paul adds in verse 16, the Lord be with you all. And wasn't the Lord Jesus with them even to the end of the age? Verse 17, the salutation of Paul with my own hand. Apparently up to this point, his secretary has been writing down what Paul had dictated. Now Paul must pick up the pen, if you will. And write his name at this point and the closing, perhaps even few words here. Why? So people would know this was an authentic letter. So I write and then he says at verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. How did first Thessalonians begin with God's grace in one one? How did it end with God's grace in five twenty eight? Second Thessalonians, how does it begin in chapter one and verse two? With grace, how does it end here in chapter three and verse eighteen? With God's grace. Grace should permeate all of life from start to finish. We need God's favor. So point number one promote work to the saints while laboring diligently yourselves may i encourage you in the lazy generation which is before us where many turn to the government instead of god to get their principles for life that we need to exhort each individual within the christian community to be a diligent worker whether it's the housewife working as unto the Lord, that homemaker, or it's the individual who has the responsibility to provide for his family, whatever God's calling upon your life, you need to be a diligent worker. You need to learn how to work as to the Lord and not to men. Ultimately, it's the Lord who will reward you for your faithful service on your job, whatever job that might be. But don't be lazy. Even the ant is the illustration from the book of Proverbs of diligence. When it's summertime, what is the ant doing? Laying up extra food because wintertime is coming. We need to be diligent workers to provide for our, ourselves, our families, for those in ministry to help care for the poor as well. 
very important that we do that. We also need to set the example for others. I recall when I was still working for the telephone company uh, going back many decades ago, and I was engaged in ministry. Uh, I was unofficially or officially, if you will, just without pay, the church's uh, associate pastor, youth pastor. And uh, I needed to work my 37 and a half hour work week and get home and spend time with my family and, and get out to ministry. And uh, I went to my uh, superior and I said, uh, may I work an earlier day from like seven? I think it was the 315. And my boss said, well, that's rather unheard of. Everybody comes in much later, but you have a great track record. Let me go to my boss. So they granted me permission. So I started work at 7 a.m., one morning, I'm diligently at my desk working away, and my boss's boss had just popped in just to see what I was doing, saw that I was at work, and no one checked on me again. We have to set the example to our saved family, unsaved people around us that we are diligent workers, and that's such an essential thing. So promote work to the saints while laboring diligently yourselves. And this last point is so profound. Permit Jesus' peace and grace to rule your lives. How much do we need the Lord of peace, the God of peace, to give us that supernatural peace when you shouldn't have it because trials and tribulations, persecution is coming your way? But the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. We need God's peace. We also need his grace. Life isn't easy. Working isn't easy. It's difficult. So we need to depend 24-7 upon the giver of life, the sustainer of life, the one who gives his favor in order that we can finish what he's called us to do strong. Permit Jesus' peace and grace to rule your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to preach through First and Second Thessalonians for all the lessons we've learned. May we be diligent workers. May we encourage others to do the same. I ask as well that we would depend upon you constantly by the indwelling spirit to experience that peace of God and that the grace of God would rule our lives. Lord, I pray that in this lazy world, we would be like Daniel when his co-workers that were jealous of him came to see what he was doing on the job, that they had nothing that they could find. May that be true of us too, because we work unto you. I ask in Jesus' name. 